Hello and welcome. This is Cheryl A. Major. I want to welcome you to the podcast, Major Health Tips, Indigestible Bites. And today, today I want to talk a little bit about mental health education and we will touch on that relative to food. But I want to talk first about a law that was enacted back in uh, 2018. Um, It actually began in the fall of 2018, so as of this recording, a little over two years ago. Um, And it it was a new law in New York State that requires mental health education as part of school curriculum. And I think this is wonderful. Did you know, did you know that among teens and young adults that suicide is second only to car accidents as the number one cause of death? It's stunning. It's stunning when you hear that statistic. Also, one in five teens will struggle with mental health issues, but the really troubling part is that less than 50%, less than 50% of them will actually seek help, actually seek help. And for 50% of the population, the onset of depression or anxiety is typically age 14. Now, I was ahead of the curve on that one because my depression set in when I was 12. And I was chronically depressed for the next 40 years. Four oh, not four, 40 years. So part of this goal with enacting this uh, New York state law is to reduce the stigma that's attached to depression, anxiety, and other mental health issues. And, and I know that the stigma factor was key for me in keeping secret my own struggles for decades. And I was pretty darn good at it, too. I I have a couple of friends who, they knew me pretty well, but they were really, really surprised when they found out that I had struggled with depression so badly. And, you know, I kept it a secret because, well, I think part of it was that I didn't want to admit to myself because it made me feel lesser because there was such a stigma attached to it. But as a working adult, I kept it secret because I was worried that it would make people think that I couldn't do my job. It would affect my ability to be effective in my chosen field because I would be perceived as, well, maybe she'll get depressed and she won't be able to do what she needs to do. So that made me, that made me hide um, my depression. And when I came, I call it coming out as a, depress- as a depressed person. When I did that, it was one of the hardest things that I've ever done. And I actually did it on a call. I was um, on the phone on a group call with uh, someone who was mentoring me at the time. And we were talking about writing books. And I, uh, the conversation that I was having with her um, and the group was listening was that I felt that I had a book in me and she asked what it was about and I said it was about a health issue and I still didn't want to admit it and she said would you share with us can you share with us what that health issue is and you know I probably hesitated for 10 or 15 seconds but it felt like hours to me and I finally said, and this is the first time I admitted it, admitted it in public, I finally said that I had struggled with depression. 
And at the time, I was no longer struggling with depression, but I still didn't want people to know. I still didn't want people to know. Now, getting back to New York, um, I applaud their efforts to educate about mental health issues because they want to build collaborative partnerships to support families, um, provide education, and give easier access to mental health care when it's appropriate. But I have a concern about this, and this is about my recovery, about my, I call it disappearing. I disappeared my depression because I know that I still have the ability to be depressed if I do certain things, and they're they're related to food, and I'll talk about this a little bit in a bit. Um, But I didn't hear anything that would, in their discussion about the law, the new law, that includes anything that would attempt to educate young people about nutrition. And researchers now acknowledge that inflammation is the root cause of chronic diseases. And that depression is a chronic disease. Now, teenagers are not known for having the best diet. And the down and dirty fact of it is that if you eat a lot of processed food, a lot of fast food, that is highly, highly inflammatory food. And when you have inflammation in your body, your brain is inflamed, and that really can bring on and exacerbate and make depression continue. So I would be much more enthusiastic if this new law included provisions for education as to how to eat to reduce inflammation in the body and the brain. There's no mention in it about um, dietary influences or any approach that would involve that would not involve a traditional route. And when I say traditional, I'm referring to the allopathic medicine protocol that involves antidepressants. And allopathic medicine is your traditional AMA, go to the doctor, get a prescription kind of medicine, as opposed to functional medicine doctors and functional medicine doctors don't ask you what the symptoms are and then prescribe a drug to suppress the symptoms They try to get at the root cause of what is causing the symptoms, and that's what's so important in our discussion here. So I took the allopathic route that involved antidepressants many years ago. I didn't know any different. I didn't know any better. It didn't work for me, though, and it doesn't work for far too many people. I was on Prozac, I was on Zoloft, and I was on Paxil. So so, uh, Prozac was the first, that really didn't do anything. And then Zoloft, that, I, I, I felt less depressed on that. And then my dad died and I got depressed while I was taking the antidepressants. <laughs> so they put me on Paxil and of all the three, that worked the best. But let me say within the context of that, that I didn't feel happy. I didn't feel great. What for, for me, what antidepressants did, and, and, and honestly, they tell you that it's going to take about two weeks to work. So I was ticking off the days until I would be happy, until I would feel happy. I was thinking, in two weeks, I'm going to be happy. I can't wait. I can't wait. And I wasn't happy after two weeks. What it did was it dulled the, it took the edge off the depression. It took the edge off the sadness so I could function a little bit better. 
But it also gave me side effects. I mean, a lot of people gain weight on antidepressants. Um, that was not something that I encountered, but I did have brain fog. And um, eventually on the Paxil, I had some weird things like um, some food smells would make me feel queasy. It was it was just weird. But I just didn't like the way I felt on them. I just didn't feel like myself. So I feel very strongly that education about proper nutrition is a critical part of helping depression. It's a critical part of my own redemption from chronic depression. I stopped eating, they call it the SAD diet or the standard American diet of processed food. I did it by accident. But if the education were there to help people understand how to eat to reduce inflammation, I believe the incidences of mental and physical chronic diseases would decrease significantly. Now, for me, and I've told this, this story before, if, you, if you've listened to some of my other podcast uh, drops, you'll know the episodes, you'll know that I, um, I changed, I radically and very quickly changed how I eat because my husband was having really bad side effects because he had been on Lipitor for so long, a really high megadose, 80 milligrams a day, because of his family history of heart disease, and he'd been on it for about seven years. So he was getting really bad symptoms like memory loss. He was pushed toward diabetes. He had brain fog, trouble assimilating information, muscle weakness, nerve pain, and so on and so forth. So we we kind of looked at the only thing he was taking was um, the Lipitor, and we started researching what possible side effects were, and we discovered these post-child side effects were Lipitor. So we radically changed our diet to help him get off the Lipitor, adjust his cholesterol, um, back off from diabetes, get his sugar into a better place, his A1C into a better place. And what I found was in a few months, I started to realize that I wasn't so depressed and eventually I was a happy person. And it was, it was for me a miracle. So I think reducing, I think teaching how to eat to reduce inflammation. So your body is not in living in a state of constant inflammation. Your brain is not living in a constant state of inflammation. I think that is so, so important. So I applaud the state of New York for their efforts in making mental health education mandatory. I think this is amazing, amazing. It's a step in the right direction. I really, really hope in conjunction with that, courses on healthy eating and proper nutrition will be offered as well. And as a side note, healthy eating doesn't have to be boring and tasteless. In fact, far from it. Once you get used to tasting food because you know, the bottom line is we've learned to believe that food tastes like processed food, and it doesn't. Processed food tastes like, tastes like salt, sugar, bad fats, chemicals, um, just processed stuff. It doesn't taste like an apple. It doesn't taste like a tomato. You know, I mean, really, really whole food is delicious. So that's my... Those are my thoughts today. I'm, I'm, I'm super stoked that New York mandated this um, health education a couple of years ago. I really hope other states are adopting this, and I hope incorporated in this is nutrition 
education because it's so, so important. This is Cheryl A. Major coming to you from Major Health Tips in Digestible Bites. I want to thank you for joining me today on this episode, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Take care. All right.